0: Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysteries and the Kabbalah as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us it on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. In today's episode we will continue our series exploring the different astrological zodiac signs with a discussion on some of the mythological and magical aspects of the sign of Gemini. Gemini is the sign of the twins, it is the third sign of the zodiac, and the first to have a human form rather than an animal. The two brightest stars found within Gemini are Castor and Pollux, with whom mythology is also linked to the Dioscuri. It is also one of the few constellations that actually looks like its namesake and what it's meant to represent. Around 9,000 years ago the vernal equinox would have been in Gemini and there would have been a line joining the two equinoxes between the bright stars. During this time they would have represented the equal day and the night of the equinoxes and thousands of years later the Greeks called them Castor and Pollux who according to legend possessed of an immortality of existence so divided among them that as one dies the other revives. Gemini is one of the oldest recognised constellations and is one of the 48 constellations identified by Ptolemy, who lived during the 2nd century. In modern times, it's also one of the 88 known or recognised constellations and the 30th in the night sky. This constellation is important and it's also unique as it's not just named for two heroes but also has two stars within it that are named after those same heroes. The planets Uranus and Pluto were found within Gemini and the constellation can be seen with the naked eye as its two main stars, Castor and Pollux, lie in an easterly direction from Taurus and Orion's belt. Gemini is the most northerly constellation of the zodiac, situated in the Milky Way and since AD 300 it's been the fourth sign and marks the summer solstice. Some important dates from an astronomical point perspective are solar conjunction, June the 21st to July the 19th, the Rashi's, June the 15th to July the 16th, and the tropical calendar, May the 22nd to June the 21st. The, The aspects and attributes of Gemini are normally associated with intelligence, with thoughts, with sociability. Its colors are yellow, mixed colors, bright colors and incense wise it's very much a kind of an air airy sign so things like storax mastic the angel associated with gemini is ambriel moving on to mythological aspects there's lots of different myths associated with this constellation it was known as Jalza in ancient times the center of the heavens mainly because in egypt and asia It was a zenith constellation, so directly ahead. It was also known as the Twins due to the two bright stars in the constellation Castor and Pollux. Twins are a common idea in many different mythologies and religious traditions. So obviously you've got Adam and Eve, David and Jonathan, in Greece you have their Nazis. And obviously Romulus and Remus in ancient Rome. In India, the heavenly twins, Castor and Pollux, were known as the Ashvins, or the horse lords, who were meant to gallop across the sky just before dawn, each day riding a golden chariot pulled by winged horses. And there's a nice description of the Ashvins from the Rig Veda that says, Your chariot, O Ashvins, swifter than mine, drawn by good horses, comes to the clans by which you go to the home of the good ritual performer. By that, O oh men, travel your course to us. You free Atri, the seer of the five peoples, from narrow straits from the earth cleft along his band. O oh men, confounding the wiles of the merciless, driving them out one after another. O oh bulls, O oh Ashfins, you bulls, you men, by the wondrous powers you draw back together the sun. Repar who bobbed away in the waters like a horse hidden by those evil ways. Your ancient deeds do not grow old. And that's from the Rig Veda. In ancient Egypt, Horus the Elder and Horus the Younger were connected with these. Um, We also have Harpocrates as the Younger, who is often represented in the form of a youth with a lock of hair, and he's also sucking his finger. And he's also a form of the rising sun. In Arabia, it was known as duo pavonis, the twin peacocks. In China, the yin and yang. and Maori, the twins known as the wakakou. Apologies for not pronouncing that right. These twin stars were also meant to be protectors of sailors and anyone on the sea, so fishermen as well. And the constellation is sometimes shown as two stars above a ship. This also had a connection with St. Elmo's Fire, which is an electrical phenomenon during a storm or just before where you get glowing plasma on the mast of ships or wings of aircraft. It's a sort of strange phenomena. Um, I've never seen it, but um, it's very interesting. And according to the legends, if a double light appeared, it represented Castor and Pollux and all was well. But if just one, then it was considered to be bad luck and, you know, a storm might be coming. The most famous myth connected to Gemini, as he mentioned, is the mythology of Castor and Pollux, and this story is quite similar in a way to the one of Taurus, it involves Jupiter once again. In the story, Jupiter falls in love with a beautiful woman leader, who is married to King Tyndarius, who is the ruler of Sparta. Instead of um, Jupiter pretending to be a bull like he did with Taurus, however, This time he transforms himself into a swan, which he then uses to seduce Leda. From this sacred union with the king of the gods, Leda bears two eggs, and the story goes that one of the eggs was the offspring of Jupiter, and the other was the offspring of Leda's mortal husband. The two eggs produce four children, two brothers, Castor and Pollux, and two sisters, who are Helen of Troy and Clytemnestra. And Pseudo-Hygienius, in his Fabulae, describes this as follows. Jupiter-Zeus, changed into a swan, had intercourse with Leda near the river Eurotus, and from that embrace she bore Pollux and Helen. To Tyndareus she bore Castor and Clytemnestra. The twins Castor and Pollux um, are meant to then have grown up, and they become very strong and really good friends. Castor becomes very famous for his skill as a horse tamer and Pollux becomes famous for his skills as a boxer. Um, They're meant to have travelled all throughout the lands with Jason and the Argonauts to find the Golden Fleece. However, the story goes that one day during a storm at sea, two stars appear above the heads of the twins and the storm miraculously ends. Because of that instant... Um, That's possibly where this idea of them being patron saints of the travellers at sea comes from. Unfortunately, during a battle, um, Castor dies in battle and Pollux is inconsolable about this. So he goes to his father, Jupiter, to beg him to bring Castor back to life. Pollux volunteers to give up his own life as a ransom if Jupiter can restore his brother. And if we read Pindar, Nemean, Ode, it describes this as follows. O father, son of Cronus, what release shall there be from sorrows? Grant that I too with my brother may die, great king, I beg thee. For glory is departed from a man robbed of his friends, and under stress of toils new mortals will abide faithful companions to share in the labour. He ended, and Zeus came and stood before him and spoke these words. Thou art my son, but after in thy mother's womb was set the mortal seed of this thy brother, sprung from her hero-husband, but see then, none the less, this choice I give thee. If freed from death and the harsh years of age, it is thy will to dwell beside my throne upon Olympus. Companion to Athena and to Ares, god of the shadowing spear, this choice is thine to take, But if in thy heart's travail for thy brother, thou art in mind to share all things alike with him, then half thy days shalt thou dwell beneath the earth, draw breath, and half within the golden citadels of heaven. So Jupiter rewards the brother's love by placing them in the sky as stars, and there they shine in the constellation of Gemini. From a magical perspective, This time is when the sun enters the sign of Gemini, so we're entering this kind of in-between phase. It's not really spring, but it's also not yet summer. So it's very appropriate this is ruled by the element of air. Um, Lots of the animals are teaching their young that have just been born at this time. So it's a time of energy, it's a time of excitement, a time of discovery. And a time of learning. And the energy of Gemini is very much focused on exploring and being curious at the world of possibilities. You know, Where can we grow? What do we need to develop? What do we need to focus on to achieve our goals? As we mentioned also, as Gemini is a sign of the twins, which are half divine, half mortal, and also the planet Mercury, which is uh, from a Kabbalistic point of view associated with Hod, it's also a very good energy to do more work to move things along or, or, you know, see a, a new perspective on a bad situation. It's also very good for magical work with regards to communication or for resolving an issue with communication, divination, understanding and possibly technology as well, which is very kind of mercurial. The air elemental aspects of Gemini also really enhance its intellectual aspects, so it's very good for kind of new ideas, mental power, reasoning and understanding. That's all we've got time for today. It's a bit of a shorter one, but please do stay tuned for next week. We'll be looking at the sign of cancer. We'll finish with one of the Homeric hymns that was translated by Percy Bysshe Shelley to the Dioscori, And this is Homer's Hymn to Castor and Pollux. E wild-eyed muses sing the twins of Jove, Whom the fair-ankled leader mixed in love, with mighty Saturn's heaven-obscuring child, O Tigetus that lofty mountain wild, Brought forth in joy mild Pollux, void of blame, And steed-subduing Castor heirs of fame. These are the powers who earth-born mortals save, And ships whose flight is swift along the wave. When wintry tempests o'er the savage sea Are raging and the sailors tremblingly, Call on the twins of Jove with prayer and vow, gathered in fear upon the lofty brow, and sacrifice with snow white lambs, the wind and the huge billow bursting close behind. Even then, beneath the weltering waters bare, the staggering ship they suddenly appear, on yellow wings rushing athwart the sky, and lull the blasts in mute tranquillity. And shrew the waves on the white ocean's bed, fair omen of the voyage from toil and dread. The sailors rest, rejoicing in the sight, and plough the quiet sea in safe delight. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Auckland Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at aucklandon.co.uk. Thanks. Good night.